We have flexibility and we just have to figure out how to use it at times. And that is individuals who can demonstrate they have learned how to learn. Emerging industries where we might see apprenticeships in popping up in the next few years. This is In the Know with ACCT, the voice of community college leaders. I'm Jacob Bray. This episode is all about apprenticeships in community colleges. Our new white paper on apprenticeships is supported in part by Strata Education Network. In today's episode, we'll hear from ACCT Senior Policy Analyst Allison Beer, Harper College President Ken Ender, and San Jacinto College Chancellor Brenda Hellier about different college programs profiled in our newly released report called Apprenticeships, an Emerging Community College Strategy for Workforce Development. Be sure to listen until the end when we share some important recommendations that college leaders and policymakers can apply to make the best of apprenticeships. Now let's hear from our guests. So at San Jacinto College, we're located in Texas, and Texas is a right-to-work state. And and so um, we have really tried to get to the grassroots effort of pulling together our apprenticeship programs. And so we have a program with in the petrochemical industry with Dow Chemical, and that is a registered program. We also have um, one with the electricians unit, union, and then also with a sheet metal company, um, a lot in the craft trades area and, and that process operator training um, area. And so those programs, I think the unique feature is some are registered, some are recognized, but they are all based on flexibility and really meeting the employer's needs and listening to them as they tell us how they want it designed. And at Harper College, uh, we're located in the northwest suburbs of Chicago, a fairly uh, dense uh, urban suburban district with uh, right now 700 manufacturing firms uh, in the district, 30,000 businesses. Um, And apprenticeships in that part of the state have always been associated with um, uh, crafts, uh, skill work, think manufacturing, uh, think pipe fitting. Um, And frankly, apprenticeship was a hard thing to get um, a lot of students particularly interested in because they always just leapt to the association that this was some sort of job that would be working in an environment that maybe not the best. And what we have uh, been able to do is sort of turn that idea on its face by uh, doing a lot of registered apprenticeships with what would be most of the time considered gray collar or white collar industries. So we started um, with the insurance industry and did a and have done a very successful uh, apprenticeship program that the Department of Labor actually helped us stand up through a, a grant that they provided us five, four years ago now. And we've now taken uh, apprenticeships to banking, to finance, uh, to supply chain management, uh, to retail. Of course, we have them in manufacturing and cybersecurity. I think it's so interesting that both of you described your apprenticeship programs, which we're talking about the same model, but in such different industries. San Jacinto focused on the petroleum and craft trades and at Harper um, going into insurance and banking. How do each of your colleges determine what the needs are in your local area for apprenticeships? Uh, At Harper, we spend a lot of time looking at uh, supply and demand for different employment sectors. Uh, We've utilized a tool, um, Burning Glass, that helps us do that analysis. Um, Many of the white collar apprenticeships that we've identified have really come to us because of the um, 
spotlight that was put on the insurance industry. No one thought about uh, alternative approaches to apprenticeships before Zurich stood this program up. So then we looked at, say, banking or logistics uh, or retail and realized that the huge demand for roles, um, we then would go to employers and present this idea. And, it's, and frankly, it's both a recruitment idea for the employer, a retention idea, and a training idea. And it, it resonates well. We're located in the heart of the Petrochem area. We have 90 petrochemical companies right there in, in our area. And then also with the Houston, the Port of Houston. And so um, we're very engaged with our industry partners. We work very closely with the Texas Workforce Commission and the Houston-Galveston Area Council. And so using their data, looking at where there are our needs, that same supply and demand that Ken talked about, and then really going out and meeting with the employers and um, talking with them about needs and then making sure how do we develop a program that meets those needs. Is it typically, a, do you find it needs to be a proactive approach from the college to a, a approach the employers, or do you ever have employers coming to you and saying, we'd really like to work with you and set up an apprenticeship? It goes both ways for us. Mm -hmm. Firm Zurich came to us, but came to us in a kind of a, a left-handed way. I, I actually knew the CEO uh, of Zurich at the time. He was a neighbor. And I had talked to him a number of times about standing up some sort of training program, really wasn't thinking apprenticeships, but some training program that we might be able to assist them with. And, and he was pretty clear that he appreciated the offer, yet they had sourced most of their talent traditionally from universities, uh, baccalaureate holding uh, individuals. He ended up being invited to a meeting with President Obama with 11 other of his peers. So these were the 12 leading insurance carriers in the, in the United States of America. And, and the President and Commerce Secretary Penny Prickster at the time met with these, these folks. And he was interested in training and workforce development, he the President, and asked this group, how many of you have a local a relationship with your local community college that involves some type of training? 11 of the 12 CEOs raised their hand. So Mike Foley, the CEO, said, I'm obviously missing something um, because we had not even, it had occurred to us. Now they're a Switzerland-based firm, very heavily apprenticeship uh, country. So talking with his colleagues there, he then came to us and that's what really launched our initial conversation about a registered apprenticeship for the insurance industry. And we were the first in the country to, to work with that industry. I think for us, it's again um, listening to the employer and just kind of finding out what are their needs and then how to how do we work together. So we've approached companies and then um, we've been approached both ways. And so it just comes back to that making sure that you're listening and that you don't get caught up in terminology. I mean, as they're describing their needs, how do you really put a, a model together to meet those needs? Are any words that you found that? we use in post-secondary education that we take for granted that just don't translate to the business community that people need to be aware of when setting up these partnerships? Probably best not to use the word Carnegie credit. Carnegie credit. Right. Yep. Uh, accredited program works. Carnegie kind of gets you into another whole stratosphere of thinking about higher education. I, I, I think that, that, that the that you really nailed a very important piece of this, and, and Brenda just alluded to it. How do we find a, a um, 
vernacular that we both understand and, and working to that end. I mean, a lot of our curriculum development with the, um, with the employers is about first just breaking through the language on both sides of that, that equation. So they've got training needs, we've got education needs. How do we make those two things synonymous with one another? Um, I think one of the beauties of apprenticeship programs from an employer's perspective is that they actually get a hand in helping us develop the curriculum that we're going to be providing. Now, we're very careful to, to provide a curriculum that is transferable from one, say, if you're, you're at Zurich and you want to work for State Farm, you won't have so much Zurich-specific curriculum that you couldn't make that leap. There's a platform across the industry that we try to stay uh, pure around. But the um, employer really gets a good hand in helping us craft some eccentric kind of work specific to that employee. And then, of course, that's reinforced when the apprenticeship employee goes to work with that supervisor in the field who's very clear about knowing what that student has been doing in the classroom. Sometimes we get so stuck in our ways of, well, this is the student learning outcomes we've got in this course, and this is how we have to do it. Well, if it doesn't align with the skill set that the industry needs as they're going through those courses, we've missed the boat. And so how do we really start redesigning that based on what they need? Just because it's our course designed one way, how do we redo that? And how do we don't get stuck in some of our state accreditation or our curriculum issues? We have flexibility, and we just have to figure out how to use it at times. What are you hearing from employers as some of the top skills that they're looking for their uh, apprentices to be trained in and prepared for? Well, I think it's, they use the term soft skills a lot. And, um, you know, it's um, being able to make decisions in the workplace, using, being able to use the skill sets that are needed, even the time management and um, understanding you can't have your cell phone all the time. And it's some of those things that get taken for granted. Um, and being able to think through the processes. Um, we hear a lot, they, they have to be able to use the data from this point to make a decision here. And so it's that soft skill piece that we hear a lot about. I'd, I'd echo that. And uh, I'd add one other that is, I think, emerging more and more in our conversations and certainly in the workforce literature. And that is individuals who can demonstrate they, they, they have learned how to learn. So, I mean, if we, if we accept, and I think most of us who are realists do, that over the course of a lifetime of work, we're going to continually now need to upgrade our skills. Employers are looking for individuals who understand that, can, um, can seek and curate their own sort of next learning event that coincides with some of the needs they're going to have in their next role in that particular organization find a supplier who can provide it in a architecture that that employee can accept and I'm working full-time. So my ability to cure, understand what I need, curate it, find a supplier, then go ahead and, and access it, employers are begging for those kinds of employees. So give me a person who understands they're going to have to continue and know how to do this thing called lifelong learning. What are you hearing in the community or what are your predictions about some of the emerging industries where we might see apprenticeships in, popping up in the next few years? In the northwest suburbs of Chicago, um, supply chain management uh, absolutely is going to be a, a huge opportunity. Cybersecurity uh, will continue to grow. Uh, we've had, um, and this is going to be a tough one, 
retail uh, has the potential, but there's such a um, tension right now in the retail world between big, you know, the boxes and the online. It's not sure in my mind how that plays out in terms of what, which one of those providers of retail are going to have the need for employers, employees to do what. I don't know, but those three areas certainly for us would be one to look at. Those are hot areas even in our, our Houston region. Um, the IT technology, we're barely touching that right now. Um, the logistics, the supply chain, and, um, and the retail, we kind of go back and forth. We've got some programs, but the same kind of issue that you've talked about with the box chain versus the, the smaller institutes or the stores. I think another one could be um, healthcare, mm -hmm. medical office mm -hmm. technology, health information technology. I see potential there. You know, we do a lot of programs where we have um, clinicals or we have some kind of an internship. Really, as you look at those, some of that terminology, how do you move that more to apprenticeship model? And for us, um, maritime is consistently one that's going to be expanding. I've been talking about diversity in different industry offerings for apprenticeships. In the report, we also touch on diversity in the students who are participating. Can you each share about the type of response you've gotten from students and uh, what are considerations for a diversity and equity perspective? Apprenticeship does not necessarily mean a 19-year-old student coming right out of high school. In fact, if you look at the uh, average age and gender of our apprenticeships, you'd find that the average age is approaching 30. Um, probably equal number of men as women, depending on which sector we're talking about. A high degree of brown and African-American individuals in these programs. Uh, one of the things that our industry partners tell us is that they have, frankly, with other programs, training programs, have not experienced the richness of diversity that our classes have brought to their particular field. And I think a lot of that's just who we are as a sector. Uh, community colleges, you can pretty much depend on us to be a pretty diverse institution in terms of who, who comes, who participates, who graduates, unlike a lot of other institutions, baccalaureate, uh, who have historically not been as diverse as community colleges typically are today. Very similar demographics to what Ken talked about. We also have a lot of first generation to college. Um, over 55% of our enrollment is first generation to college. And I think another area for the internships or the apprenticeship program is around military. Um, people who have come out of the military wanting to get back into a, another career. And we're seeing a lot of that with the maritime. And um, while you can do some of the prior learning assessments, that on-the-job training uh, in these sp specific fields is really critical. So again, what we're hearing is this is giving us a diverse pool that we never had access to before. I think it's interesting, Ken, you mentioned that students' uh, average age is about 30, and Brenda saying that people are coming back for starting second careers or new careers. I think, uh, at least for me, I think of a stereotype about apprenticeships that it's younger students coming out of high school, maybe this is their first job, and they have to learn how to have a job. How can we you know, change the narrative a little bit about that apprenticeships are for people across um, different points in their career and their education? For us, I mean, it starts with the recruitment process. One of the things that we, we source, one of the things that we tell our employers, we'll source talent for you. We will bring you a pool of qualified individuals who are qualified to participate in the curriculum that your apprenticeship would demand. And when we do that sourcing, we, 
we're, we're not just in a high school talking to students. We're across the entire community talking about these opportunities in churches and in, in civic gatherings. And so they're going to, just, just by definition, we're going to see an entering group of individuals who represent the face of the community as opposed to the face of the high school next door. You're going out into all these different places, but you can't lose sight of the high school component no. either. I mean, we're doing a lot of recruitment in our high schools, just giving them awareness about careers and options. Um, there is, we know post-secondary education is important for the future. 80% of the jobs are going to require that. And so it's a combination. I mean, I think that's one of the cool things about community colleges we're all over the place. We're not focused on just one sector, one age group. We're out there to help all, all those students come back and, and figure out where they want to go. Apprenticeships are growing in popularity across the country. They're still a little bit small. There's a lot of opportunity. What is your advice to uh, trustees, college presidents, and other leaders who are looking to either start a new apprenticeship program at their college or expand an existing one? I mean, it takes resources. You you got to have dedicated people to this. This can't be just somebody's out on to their job. And so I think that's um, you being able to commit resources at your institution for this. From a trustee standpoint, understanding the process and that it's not going to be really a fast turnaround, but being involved with the industry partners, helping be an advocate, and um, I, it just take it takes time and commitment. It's helped us enormously with our participating employers for us to be a registered sponsor. So that we, we essentially take all of the, the paperwork out of the hands of the business and do it ourselves on their behalf. As a registered sponsor, we can do that. Uh, I think it, was, it helped us enormously to receive a federal grant on the front end of our work with, um, with the insurance folks. I think we received two and a half million dollars to stand up the first uh, two classes of apprentices um, that Zurich sent to us. So there's a lot of work in the policy frame that can be done to help stimulate these programs uh, nationally. Uh, and then I think ultimately it, it requires the a real kind of relationship building with the employer base that you want to work with. So they can trust you and know you and feel like they've got a a real relationship, something bigger than a partnership, a real relationship with your institution and with the people that are involved with their employees. I mean, these are their employees that they are entrusting us with, and uh, trust is based on rapport, and rapport is, spent, is based on spending time together. So it's, it's that kind of marriage that you're putting together. Practically speaking, when a college is starting a new apprenticeship program, how long does that take? It, it took us two years with insurance to get started. It took us a meeting with the, with the State Association of Bankers to get started in banking. We, we now have enough of a awareness about the work that we've done at Harper that it's become, those are becoming much easier conversations to start and then to deliver, to deliver on. And I think it took us about 18 months with our petrochemical for one employer but it's taken longer to roll it out to others. And a lot of that also depends on what has, what has to happen on the employer side, um, what kind of industry it is, and, and making sure that there's, they're comfortable with all the pieces from their liability standpoint. And there's some risk and liability there. And so it just really depends, again, on those relationships. <coughs> 
and, um, and how responsive you can be to really even change some curriculum to meet their specific needs. But I, I think it just depends on, on how far along you want to go. Um, with the sheet metal company, that went really fast. And so it just depends. Brenda, Ken, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners that they need to know about apprenticeship programs in, at their community college? You need to look at the resources that are out there. Um, what Harper's done is absolutely amazing. Um, and so how do you build off the resources that are already happening at other institutions? Um, what's happening across your state? At Texas, um, we've done a crosswalk from the different apprenticeship programs across the state, linking them back to courses. Don't start over. Use resources that are available. And I, I think in our case, we have an internal champion that is really driving our work. Um, and she's a, she's a very experienced professional person, came out of healthcare, uh, was very used to the clinical model of doing business. Um, she's a bulldog. I mean, she, she makes commitments to employers, they can count on her to keep them. Now, on our side of it, sometimes people need to move a little quicker than they typically would like to move. But I would say that find somebody you can support inside the organization and then authorize them to get this work done and support them because this is not easy. And, in, and this is, there's a lot of internal change that has to take place to accept this approach. And um, that just doesn't come easy in the academy. So, Thank you both. This has been such an informative conversation. Thank you for your time and your commitment to apprenticeships. ACCT is solely responsible for its content. The views expressed in this report do not necessarily reflect those of the Strata Education Network or its affiliates. This episode touched on a variety of considerations relating to apprenticeships. We also want to leave you with the recommendations for college leaders and policymakers discussed in this report. First, college leaders should register their college as an apprenticeship program sponsor either through the United States Department of Labor or through your state apprenticeship program. Second, college leaders should develop strategies to increase the diversity of apprenticing students. And finally, college leaders should partner their institutions with high schools and area businesses to increase opportunities for youth apprenticeships and pre-apprenticeships linked to post-secondary pathways. We also encourage policymakers to provide more funding to sustain and grow federally and state-run apprenticeship programs. Also allow students more financial aid options to cover the price of post-secondary coursework aspect of their apprenticeship programs. And last, policymakers should support community colleges and the business sector in their work to develop apprenticeship programs in growing industry sectors such as healthcare, business management, and information technology. And last, policymakers should support community colleges and the business sector in their work to develop apprenticeship programs in growing industry sectors such as healthcare, business management, and information technology. More information about how to implement these recommendations is given in the report available at ACCT.org. Thanks again to the Strata Education Network for supporting our apprenticeships project. If you have questions or would like information, contact us at acctinfo at acct.org. Thanks for listening.